This episode is brought to you by our friends at MemberStack. MemberStack is the fastest way for you to launch a beautiful Webflow MVP with robust authentication and smooth payments integration. Join companies like Slack and American Airlines in serving millions of members every single day. Get started for free by visiting memberstack.com slash codestory. This episode is supported by Terso. Terso is the open source edge database from the creators of LibSQL. Do you put your edge computing close to your users? You should put your data there too. Terso makes this easy utilizing the developer experience of SQLite. Access a free starter plan at terso.tech slash codestory. Terso, welcome to the data edge. We started coding product a little bit uh, too earlier than, than we should. Once we uh, started talking to customers and we understand what they want, we uh, created a quick uh, prototype in Figma, but we only used it internally, mostly. And I guess what would help to save a couple of iterations of a product is if you would try to delay it as much as you can, like actual building, actual, actual code of a product, and maybe use Figma or other prototyping tools or build something in no-code like Bubble or Flutterflow and use Make.com and Zapier or whatnot to bring your prototype to life. Hi, my name is Valeria Bekanov. I'm co-founder and CTO at Prodigy. This is Code Story, a podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries. Spent six months moonlighting. There's nothing on the backhand who share what it takes to change an industry. I don't exactly know Just what to do next. took many goes to get right. Who built the teams that have their back. Our company is its people. The teams help each other achieve. Most proud of our team. Keeping scalability top of mind. All that infrastructure was at Yes, we've been fighting it as we grow. Total waste of time. The stories you don't read in the headlines. It's not an easy thing to achieve, my Took it off the shelf and dusted it off and tried to begin. To ride the ups and downs of the startup life. You need to really it's want it. Not just about technology. All this and more on Code Story. I'm your host, Noah Labhart, and today, Havaleri Bikanov is creating a deep talent search, scouted by pros and matched by AI. Valery Bikonov studied computer science in the Ukraine and eventually in 2009 decided to start his own software development agency. After doing this for some time, he wanted to expand his horizons and moved to Berlin to join a startup. But outside of tech, he is married and loves to be active outdoors, hiking, snowboarding, and cycling. In fact, one of his favorite things to do is listen to a podcast or audiobook while hitting a biking trail. Valery had some past experience in recruitment, having had run his own agency. He found great reward in placing people, but eventually wanted to build a solution for the process. After he met his now co-founder, they both decided to attack the creation of a new kind of recruiting tool. This is the creation story of Prodigy. So Prodigy is a lead generation platform for recruitment agencies. It allows recruiters to upload candidates they already have and then discover and connect with employers who are hiring for the roles matching those candidates exactly. And this is based on our proprietary resume to job description matching algorithm. My previous 12 years was in uh, recruitment. I was built in software development agency, which is purely service business. We did every everything by hand. We were looking for developers in Ukraine for tech companies from Germany and other European countries. 
And uh, at some point, I thought it's fun to, to do that. It's uh, super rewarding when you see that uh, you can find a great job for a person you know. And uh, then you see that uh, both sides, employer and candidate, are happy working together. But at some point, I thought that I want to build a product out of it, uh, not just service business, but the product. And I was ideating on that idea for a bit. And then I met my co-founder, Barnaby, who also was looking in similar direction. We joined forces together. We met uh, last year over um, a web summit in Lisbon. And we saw that we actually seem quite alike. Uh, we have a lot of synergy in how we uh, believe products should be, have to be built, how it can be built, what uh, future can bring to that kind of uh, platform and product. So we started working together, and in few months, we start building the actual product what we have at the moment. Let's dive into the MVP then, so that first version of the product you built. How long did it take to build, and what sort of tools did you use to bring it to life? I would say we're still an MVP. Our initial product was actually not quite what we have now. Uh, we started at the very end of last year when uh, ChatGPT came out. So we built a couple rather teaser products. One was AI career coach, uh, which allows you to enter a couple notes about yourself, like, hey, I'm a software developer building a Python and want to be CTO next year. And then we'll fire a couple API requests to ChatGPT and uh, it will produce you career advice, uh, like the senior's bullet points. It was fun to build it. It was like super simple, just one page. On a, like, on a hype of AI, it got us uh, over 1,000 users on the platform. And uh, with that product, we've been even featured at uh, A16Z block. And then we uh, experimented a little bit with those ideas, yet we shifted to uh, uh, what we have now uh, is as a platform what we're building. And you asked about tool stack, uh, tech stack. So we built in with um, uh, Laravel and PHP using third-party UI components framework, uh, which really helped us to accelerate uh, the product development as we don't worry much about UI and building UI components. So it was, really helped a lot. Uh, we hosted Heroku and used Amazon Clouds as, as much as we can to, again, optimize on any all the infrastructure. As we're still searching for product market fit, probably we can still say that we are at MVP for now. So in building this initial version, you got to make certain decisions and trade-offs around feature cut, tech debt, how you're going to approach the problem, all the things. Tell me about some of those you had to work through and how you cope with those decisions. The hardest one was what actually product should look like and um, what features we should prioritize and uh, what our customers want or how we can solve the problem. So that probably was the biggest trade-offs we need to do because uh, we can do only so much at a time, right? Uh, so therefore, we had uh, too many ideas and too many assumptions we need to test. We started talking to users quite uh, quite early. We try to ask them even direct questions like uh, how much you would pay for that feature or uh, would you pay rather for that or for that if you'll need to, to, to pick one. And it really helps us to uh, test our assumptions uh, on a product and on features and bounce them off users where we clearly said you can have either A or B, which one you will pick. So it helped us to make decisions and cut something what we saw would be a nice feature, but not necessarily specifically asked by, by users. This episode is encrypted by Cypherstash. Data breaches are becoming a fact of life. Know why? One of the reasons is because developers lack the right tooling to get the job done i.e. encryption at rest tools are complex and inadequate. The solution? Encryption in use with Cypherstash. 
CypherStash uses searchable encryption and use technology, providing continuous and universal protection for sensitive data. With CypherStash, you can turn your existing database into a vault, utilizing zero-trust key management, SQL native, and with no code. Though encryption is complicated, CypherStash is easy to use. The tool fully supports SQL via a drop-in driver replacement, supporting the query types you know and love today. And did we mention it's fast? For queries over 100 million records, you can expect additional overhead of less than one millisecond. It's a no-brainer. Get started by reviewing their docs or downloading sample projects in Rails or Node plus SQLize today. Visit cypherstash.com slash codestory and get started protecting your data. This episode is supported by Treble. This day and age, APIs are a fact of life. And as such, product and engineering teams need tooling that is lightweight, real-time, and data-rich to help them ship and maintain APIs faster. That's where Treble comes in. Treble is an all-in-one platform for the entire API lifecycle. The product offers world-class monitoring and observability, providing more than 40 data points for each request, enabling you to understand everything from performance to user behavior. Dashboards help connecting your entire team for lifecycle collaboration. Documentation is automatically generated, saving massive amounts of time for your development team with every new release. And setting up Treble? Super easy and fast. In three simple steps, you can be up and running with their platform. Their pricing is designed to support API teams of all sizes. So get started with Treble today and automate your API ops. Did I mention they have a free forever plan? Find out more by visiting treble.com slash codestory. That's T-R-B-L-L-E dot com slash codestory. You're in MVP mode, right? You, you have a product, you're, you're trying to find product market fit. How are you going about progressing the product and how are you going about building even your short-term roadmap? What is your process to decide, okay, this is the next most important thing to build or to address with Prodigy? I guess the most important question is the most important part here is to actually go and talk to users, to understand that you likely don't know what they need and what product should be. Uh, you as a founder should have it, so therefore it's a little bit of like conflict. Users might be able to answer on that question uh, more precisely because ultimately they will be using your product, not your, you yourself. Then we also wanted to understand what features in our roadmap are like core features to, to our company, to, to our product, and what is rather experiment. As, as the heart and the core of a platform is a job description to resume matching algorithm, that's exactly what we wanted to build as best as possible and with no compromises and as scalable as possible as well. So that users, our users can, can benefit from high quality matches. And then uh, we try to uh, also employ Pareto principle, see what features we can do in 20% of time, uh, which will deliver 80% of value. I guess that's something what we as a company, as a startup at this stage, should always hunt for. What are those uh, quick value gains as that we can deliver to our customers with easy lift? And I guess that was uh, what helped us to guide our roadmap. So I'm curious about teams. Since you're still in that early phase, you know, it could be just you and your co-founder. It might be a handful of people, but I'm curious about the team that you have. And the team in the future, how are you going to go about building it? And what are you going to look for in those people to indicate that they are the winning horses to join you? For now, it's um, myself and Barnaby, my co-founder. We have also a developer who joined us and, and helping us with, uh, with the product. A uh, few traits that I would say I'm most uh, 
most often looking in, uh, in uh, new hires, especially again at uh, this stage of a company. One is that proactivity and self-discipline. Uh, you don't want to spend time on managing people. You want to uh, spend time on building together and creating solutions, uh, solving problems. But uh, you need someone who knows that if you have a task in the backlog, it's, uh, it's, uh, it has to be done. And then uh, when it comes to, uh, to engineers, I guess, ready to get your hands dirty. And sometimes it means uh, writing code which uh, works, yet you don't want to show them to your friend, developer friends. Sometimes it's hard for a developer to write something, to create something that uh, maybe not your best work. You want to have someone who know and like uh, understand deeply at what stage you are as a company. Uh, for us, again, it's quite early in, in our journey and know that we're not building everything what we built uh, to last for, for years. Some of that will be scratched and uh, we need to deliver as much value as possible in, uh, in minimum time possible. This episode was automatically optimized by Cast. If you run cloud-native software on AWS, Google Cloud, or Azure, you know how out of hand the bill can get. This uncertainty hurts your business, but you can solve it with Cast AI. Cast AI automates cloud cost, performance, and security management for hundreds of companies of all sizes. The platform's customers begin saving immediately and cut an average of over 60%. So before you go and sign a multi-year contract with a cloud provider or lay people off, check out what Cast AI can do for you. To get you saving even faster, Cast AI is offering a free cloud cost audit with a personal consultation. Visit cast.ai slash codestory to get started. This episode is supported by Terso. Terso is the open source edge database from the creators of LibSQL, the popular fork of SQLite. If you put your edge computing close to your users, like with Netlify or Vercel edge functions or Cloudflare workers, you should put your data there too in order to maximize performance gains at the edge. Terso makes it easy. With a developer experience of SQLite and a distributed database, you can replicate much closer to your users than traditional database offerings in the cloud. Terso's lightweight, easy to use, and free to get started. The team at Terso is offering a generous starter plan specifically for Code Story listeners. Head over to terso.tech slash codestory and get started today. That's T-U-R-S-O dot tech slash codestory. Terso, welcome to the Data Edge. Let's flip to scalability then. And this will be interesting given it's early days. So I'm curious what your answer is here. Did you build this to scale efficiently from day one, from now? or with scale in mind, or are you going to be fighting this as you grow and gain traction? We try to identify what are the core components of our system, like what likely will stay for quite a long time. And we're trying to build it with, uh, of course, scalability in mind uh, to be as solid as possible and as uh, robust as possible, as scalable as possible. It's always a balance. It's hard to uh, like fall into one of the extremes. That either totally scalable or totally not scalable. It's always somewhere in between. Yet we're trying to understand uh, for every feature and for every module or component of a platform if that uh, likely will last and stays us for quite long. Again, for us, examples would be extraction of features and keywords from job description or from resume and building matching algorithm between those two. Sometimes when we build a new feature and we're just testing waters and we're trying to understand if that's something users really need or want, we're trying to build it in least amount of time. 
If you're building a feature that you're not sure you actually will, will last even weeks, that if you can spend extra, say, like 15 to 20% of time to make it scalable and robust and not uh, increase your tech depth, then do it. But if you need more than 20% of time, then you potentially might not need to invest time at the moment and just create some technical debt. It's okay at this level. If feature will uh, survive the initial tests and if users will love it and you want and would want more of that, then you can find some time to do it a little bit better. Like even after six uh, six months building the product, we already scratched uh, quite uh, quite a number of features. And with that approach, it allows us to save tons of time uh, compared to if we will be building them with scalability and uh, like robustness in mind uh, every single time. As you step out on the balcony, you look across all that you've built. What are you most proud of? I would say the customers saying that the quality of our matches are the best they saw on the market. That's, uh, that's the best price you can have. If customers are saying, hey, we tried your product, we understand that it's quite early, it's raw, but we already see that in that specific part, which for us is essential part of a product actually, it's, it is already better than key players or big players on the market who've been in that industry for years. So I guess that's, that's the best what you as a founder can, uh, can actually expect and uh, be most proud of. So let's flip the script a little bit. Tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it. One of the mistakes I can say is that we started coding product a little bit uh, too earlier than, than we should. Once we uh, started talking to customers and we understand what they want, we uh, created a quick uh, prototype in Figma, but we only use it internally, mostly. And I guess what would help to save a couple of iterations of a product is if you would try to delay it as much as you can, like actual building, actual, actual code of a product, and maybe use Figma or other prototyping tools or build something in no-code like Bubble or Flutterflow and use make.com and Zapier or whatnot to bring your prototype to life just to maybe show them not actually attempt a product but rather make super very high-fidelity interactive prototype. It really helped to find out what is the best UX even if you know what the feature would need to deliver how it looked like. It's still a lot of experimentation on UX side. What is the best way to actually deliver not only value, but also make it convenient and uh, allow users to spend uh, as, less times, uh, as, as less time as possible. Your early stages, you're finding product market fit. This is always interesting to hear from the founder's perspective. What does the future look like for the product and for your team? With what's happening currently with AI, that almost every single week you have new advancements, new improvements, foundational models of vast number of the new products which help you to do things faster, do things better. I believe that AI will definitely drastically change and maybe augment the way how we, uh, how we do things. So also on the product side, we will see a lot of uh, innovation happening in recruitment, in, in the field where we operate. And it probably will be a lot of competition in exact um, uh, domain we currently work in, but also we'll see a lot of shift in how recruiters communicate with candidates, how candidates communicate with uh, future employers. I'm super excited to see a lot of AI agents uh, working on, on that field. That probably will happen quite soon. 
as a lot of developers, and that's our prime, prime focus at the moment, uh, software engineers, are introverts, and they don't love talking too much with recruiters. Uh, they try to talk to engineers. And I guess that's something what will happen that many developers will be willing to chat with, uh, with AI even more than with recruiters. I guess that's interesting. interesting trend we're currently trying to keep an eye on and see if this is actually happening. And we already see a number of uh, companies who are building in, um, in that direction. So I would say uh, it's definitely be quite active in, in recruitment, uh, in recruitment space. And we're also trying to accommodate as much as possible of that into our product as well. At this stage, uh, we want to stay focused on our immediate value and probably will be extending uh, the product set and the features as, as we go uh, in, in the future. Let's switch to you. Who influences the way that you work? Name a person or many persons or something you look up to and why. I would, name, I would name several. One, Richard Branson and a series of his books, starting from Screw It, Let's Do It, then Losing My Virginity and others. I guess what I took from him is his vision that entrepreneurship can be fun. It's, it really helps a lot when you're building stuff and when times are hard to remember that and use it as a North Star. That, hey, uh, just like, don't uh, make it too serious. Uh, don't like take yourself too serious. Just relax a little bit. Uh, try to find fun in what you do and standpoint so just like let's just do it mentality i guess that's uh, that helps a lot that brings extra energy then another uh, another one will be paul graham with uh, specifically his say maker schedule manager schedule engineers and uh, managers uh, like ceos for example salespeople, they live on different schedules for makers it's important to have a lot of uh, like big chunks of time when you focus only on what you do and not interrupt it at all you as a founder, it's just like luxury you cannot afford yourself, right? Uh, you always have to be talking to uh, to customers, to um, uh, to investors, uh, open to ideas. Uh, I guess it's a lot of on your plate that you need to do. What helps a lot is that you can split your week. At least this is what what I'm doing now, uh, following his programs uh, ideas. Is that I'm splitting my week into maker and manager days. And that's super helpful because when you're building something, you really need to uh, to focus on products or, or on solutions you want to bring to deliver your best stuff. And I guess the last part is uh, why Combinator's motto, make something people want. It's like something you're, even if you has nothing to do with VC, just put it on your wall or like next to, on a sticker note next to your monitor. Whenever you're in conversation uh, about backlog or about new feature, use it as a prism. Is it something our users actually want? Like, do we know that they want it? Do we assume that they know? And I guess it helps to kind of align in the conversations with, uh, with your team as that, hey, let's make sure that we know that people want it before we start building it. And that helped us a lot to uh, build a routine where before building new features, uh, we trying to make sure that uh, our users really want what we want to incorporate into the product. Last question. So you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world and can't wait to show it off to you right there on the plane. What advice do you give that person having gone down this road a bit? Just take as many actions as you can and uh, make them as bold as you can. If you have an idea, attempt to solve it. You might have regrets that you did something wrong, but if you wouldn't start, you probably will be regretting that uh, quite, a, quite a long year as that just the fact that you haven't started. Also believe in what you're doing because it's super 
easy to lose for a little bit your conviction, your motivation, uh, your your beliefs. If you see that you talking to users, they're not uh, they're not responding, they're not uh, answering the way you would expect. Uh, you might lose motivation and belief in what you're building. It's it's easy to do. What is harder a little bit is that like keep on believing, keep on persevering, and I guess that's uh, that's really important for for any founder of any business uh, to believe in what you're doing and uh, keep on going. That being said, you have to keep a clear head and don't fall in love with a solution too too quickly or too much. Rather, fall in love with a problem. And probably just a quick tip, you would need a lot of people around you uh, to help you uh, build what you do, build it great, build it uh, scalable. You want to have them at least start talking to them before you actually need them. So advice is start networking earlier than you actually need it. Because uh, whenever you start talking to investors first time when you actually need them, the process will be way slower than if you'll start building a relationship with uh, those who already been there, done that, or can be resourceful in uh, your industry. That will be good use of your time. So uh, invest in network in uh, growing your immediate support group, I would say. Well, Larry, thank you for being on the show today. And thank you for telling the creation story of Prodigy. Thanks for having me, Noah. And this concludes another chapter of Code Story. Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Labhart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.